Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Froth here. Thought Eater blog, Thought Eater podcast. And also something new, the psionic platypus zine. Uh, I'm going to probably talk about it more maybe on a five-minute Friday or something. But uh, I did put out a little OSR print-and-fold pocket mod uh, zine. It's uh, up for free, pay what you want, on drive-thru. It's kind of the little thing I've been hinting at working on lately. So if you're interested in that, you can go to the Thought Eater blog. I've got links and more information, or you should be able to search for it over at drive-thru. But pretty happy with it. I think it's pretty cool, so hopefully you'll like it too. I really appreciate you listening. Wherever you are, this uh, you might hear my cat this morning. <laughs> She's a little frisky. Um, and so today, uh, you know, Sunday, my Sunday shows, I, I'm talking about my Night Below campaign from the night before Saturday night. So, and I was thinking about this show this week because I do, well, m- you know, most of the things I do, you know, the Hump Day Bloggerama or the stuff on Fridays, it's really get easy to get into. You don't have to. F- like heard a previous uh, episode or anything to, to know what's going on. You can pretty much just jump right in. This show's a little different. And I was kind of thinking about how, well, it's kind of like for me, if I'll see something like, you know, Star Trek Adventures recap, and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll check it out. And then I see that it actually says Star Trek's Star Trek Adventures recap number 48. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no. Can't get into that, you know, because you have to have previously heard a lot of it to get into it. And I was thinking about that with this show, because I really love doing this show. But at the same time, I know it's one that's, you know, maybe not as easy to get into if you feel like you haven't been following along and that sort of thing. But so what I thought I'd do today is just at the very beginning, kind of give a quick recap of the whole campaign you know over a year campaign just whittle it down to just the basics you need to know so if there's any new listeners out here you picked a good one and uh you know i'll probably do this every you know several episodes or something so there's always a starting point you can kind of get back into uh with it if you want so i am breaking this off into like an intro so if you've been listening, I know there's some hardcore folks out there that have followed along with this. Uh, if you're, if that sounds boring to you, you can skip right ahead. But I'm going to keep it as short as I can. Just the highlights. So Night Below campaign is basically set in this valley area called the Heronshire. And it starts really cliche with the PCs having to take some uh, spell components and stuff to an elderly mage named Tauster who lives in Thurmaster, which is one of the two main settlements of the area. There's um, Milborn, which is kind of maybe think Homlet level, and there's Thurmaster, which is, you know, makes Homlet look like New York City, you know, it's a real dump. So uh, this area, there's a couple of rangers running around, uh, Gerald and Kuiper. There's uh, this feral druid girl running around named Oleana. There are a couple of major, uh, you know, wealthy NPCs. One named Lord Carmen, who operates out of Milbourne. He's kind of new money. He's made his money uh, mining ma- mainly. And then you've got Lord Palfrey, who lives in a keep over in the hills overlooking Thurmaster, who's kind of the old money. And uh, 
Basically, the PCs find out pretty quickly that there have been some abductions, kidnappings, disappearances that all seem to be centered mainly on spellcasters. And uh, they in particular hear of the disappearance of Jelhenna, who was, uh, was the apprentice to the aforementioned elderly mage Tauster. And during their investigations, they find a couple of large groups of kidnappers operating out of an abandoned keep in a forest and an abandoned mine called the Garlstone Mine. And uh, so the PCs investigate. They fight off all the cultists and everything. But uh, the, the leadership from both sides, uh, both sites, these evil female clerics, have escaped. They discovered a few major things about the uh, kidnappers. Uh, one, uh, they all seem to be under the influence of these strange potions, a strange beverage they're drinking that makes them give off a fishy stench, uh, gives them incredible morale, and also gives them horrific nightmares, uh, something to do with the deep and the dark mother and this kind of weird stuff like that. Uh, they also discover that they've been using these subterranean caverns and passageways under the Heronshire to, to move around undetected. And finally, they also discover that they've been aligning themselves with uh, various humanoid groups, including one group of orcs and some bugbears and some other creatures that uh, seem to be operating out of this area, the Great Rock Dale, which is kind of this canyon, this little rift. Uh, filled with caves and humanoids. So the most recent events have been the um, the PCs going to investigate the Great Rock Dale. Uh, they explored one cave where uh, one of the members of the party, a cleric, handled this ancient these ancient artifacts that were stained with blood and was overcome with this this great evil. Um, and the last session ended with the party racing towards uh, Thurmaster to try to meet up with Tauster the Mage to see if there's anything Tauster could do to help. So over the course of the campaign, we've had you know, multiple um, player character deaths. Um, the current roster is Xanril, a human cleric of Zagig, is level 4. Uh, Puck, a dwarf uh, thief, level 3. Ariel, a gnome illusionist, level 3. Terran, a human ranger, level 3. Cass, a human fighter, level 3. Father Marcos, a human cleric of level 3. And that's the one that was affected by this evil in the cave. And finally, Cyril, who is a 5th level assassin and also human. And Cyril is the only player character left from the beginning of the campaign. So, as they're going to Thurmaster to meet with Tauster... Cyril's actually the only one that's ever met Tauster. So there's been a lot of other things that have happened, but that is the gist of it. That's basically what's happening, um, investigating these kidnappings, following up on leads and things like that. So I hope that gets you caught up. And now I'll move on to uh, what happened last night. And uh, here we go. Yeah, so last night's session was fun. Uh, it's a little bit different, as you might imagine, when you've got a cleric uh, possessed by some kind of evil influence. Uh, so it wasn't your usual thing, and it wasn't really something you could prepare for either, because, uh, I don't know, it's a situation that doesn't come up that much, I think, for anybody, but you may have had the experience where you've got you know, one player that has knowledge that the rest of them don't. So you're kind of having to like 
whisper as a GM or at a table, pass a note or talk to them separately. Um, so that they are able to act out stuff in a way that, um, you know, that the, the rest of the table doesn't realize or, you know, they're on a different wavelength kind of than, than what's going on. So I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but basically we have a player having to play a, you know, character under the influence of evil while the rest are trying to help them. And so, um, anyway, they, the party was racing towards Thurmaster to, to help, uh, father Marcos. And I say help, but they had a little fun at father Marcos's expense as well. I mentioned some of that last week doing things like, you know, knocking him unconscious and painting mustaches on his face and stuff like that as they're helping him. So, uh, the player playing Father Marcos was was a good sport about it, but you know they arrive at uh, Thurmaster, which is just a little dump. You know, calling it a Thorpe is probably being generous. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, Cyril is the only player character still alive from the beginning of the campaign, so it's the only one that's ever been to Thurmaster. Now, some of the other you know players have been to Thurmaster, so they're having to do that thing too, where you know, that metagame knowledge where they already know everything but having to play their characters as they don't. So there are lots of little weird things like that um, that don't always come up that much. But, you know, it's kind of, oh, you know, like, what's that building when you've actually been in there before, <laughs> spent the night, know who the NPCs are and everything else. So that's always a strange thing as a player or a GM to, to kind of run a little bit. It takes a little bit of, I don't know. It's not exactly like David Lynch or something, but you know, it's a little odd. Um, anyway, I play the, uh, the people of, of Thurmaster is just kind of backwoods, almost like deliverance or something. So there are a couple of guards like Jim Bob and, and somebody up, uh, and, and Billy or something up on the, uh, the guard tower there. And there's a little back and forth before they let them, let them in. They've still got, uh, father Marcos bound and, uh, you know, tied up and everything. And so they go in and, and, and make their way to Towster's got this little, um, kind of decrepit wizard tower going on filled with junk and Towster's like, you know, 75 years old. And so I play Towster kind of like, uh, it's interesting. I was listening to Ray Otis, his, uh, Plundergrounds, um, podcast here on anchor. If you never checked out Plundergrounds, Ray's got, man, Ray has just endless cool ideas. And, um, one of the ideas Ray was talking about is, uh, this new thing he's working on called rusty swords. And it's basically this idea, kind of like the trope or uh, whatever, where you've got these all these retired adventurers, um, you know, maybe the bad leg or, you know, lost an eye or whatever it is. And, you know, they come back together for one last dungeon crawl or one last adventure. And I love that idea. And it reminded me of this um, NPC from uh, my daughter's game that I run for her called Willie the Wizard, who's just this really, really old mage who's basically lost all sense of hearing. So if she says something like, uh, 
he'll grab the book, you know, he'll be like, well, you know, I don't know how to cook or something like that. You know, always mishearing everything just for fun, for, for humor. And I kind of forgotten how I played Towster when they first met him. Cause that was like a year ago, right towards the beginning of the campaign. And, uh, so I, I ran him like that where he couldn't understand what they were saying really. Um, um, what was, what was it exactly? Oh, Oh man, I can't remember what it, what it was. I was saying something about feast, but I can't remember what they were actually saying. Ugh, God, one of those classic froth pauses in the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, the mind ain't my mind ain't working running yet. I got get more coffee in me. But anyway, the uh, the thing about that it was reminding me of. I don't can't remember. It was a conversation on Twitter or G plus or maybe it was on the podcast, but. One thing I could get better at is if you're running a long-term campaign and you've got all these NPCs and stuff, it's really good to make some notes about how you do their voices and mannerisms and stuff like that because in a shorter campaign, it's easier to remember it. But if it's like, you know, a year goes by and they come back and they see somebody, you know, a year later, it is really easy for me to forget the mannerisms and everything else that I give them, you know? Because I do try to, you know, I don't talk in my own voice for the NPCs. I try to give them all a little uniqueness and everything. But um, a lot of the time I just do that on the fly. And if I don't make a note, you know, it's going to be easy, really easy for me to forget after a year. So I'm pretty sure I probably played Towster not too far from that a year ago. And I think they all forgot anyway. But for my own sake, being consistent... Uh, who knows what I did, but last night I played him just kind of like, uh, hard of hearing, uh, elderly mage. And so the, uh, one of the things that, that had happened last session is, uh, father Marcos had found this amulet, um, on one of the, um, evil clerics that they fought in the caves back at the, uh, back in the great rock Dale. And this amulet is actually a, just an amulet uh, protection from good that one was wearing. But I wanted to do something a little bit different with it to tie into the uh, the evil influence that Father Marcos was under. So I made this, uh, you know, it is just basically a pr amulet of protection from good, but I made it also kind of also be affected by the uh, the artifact that, that uh, Father Marcos handled. So it was given little boosts of power, little help to, uh, father Marcos. So it started kind of glowing while they were having this, the interaction with Towster and it kind of allowed father Marcos to get a hand free from the, uh, from the, the ropes and father Marcos bless his heart, made a, made a half-hearted attempt to, to flee, you know, got loose and started riding his horse towards the gate of uh Thurmaster, but the gate had been closed again, and so the, the party chased him down really quickly and uh, tied him back up. So he was loose for a minute, but they caught him. And so uh, they go back again, try it again at the, uh, at the wizard tower, and Towster lets them in, uh, remembering Cyril, 
And they kind of let Towser know what's been going on. Towser's sorry to hear about uh, the deaths of all the other player characters. And decides to try to help with um, with Father Marcos getting rid of the evil. And all that Towster can think of to do is cast a spell magic. So that's what Towster does. And the character, the player playing Father Marcos did a great job of acting normal. Like that that worked and everything, even though it didn't. So it was acting like everything was back to normal. Everybody thought it was all over and went to sleep. And then uh, the player that plays Father Marcos whispered to me that he's going to try to kidnap Ariel in the night. Ariel's the illusionist, you know. So now, um, basically, and I messaged the player over the week about this too, you know. Players under the influence from drink, uh, from holding this cup and everything, and they got a little bit, they tried to gag him when they were at the cave, so they got a little bit of this juice, you know, this juice I talked about, this potion that all these uh, kidnappers are under the influence of. So, Father Marcos is starting to have these visions of of something in the depths, deep, 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 deep underground, uh, this dark mother, this whatever, this creepy thing, and uh, is also feeling compelled to to bring, you know, to come to it. And uh, so Father Marcos wanted to try to kidnap Ariel to try to, you know, take take it to the mother and all this. And so. I just ran this on the fly with a, some some ability checks to see how sneaky Father Marcos could be. Needless to say, trying to abduct a, an illusionist uh, in the room with everybody else asleep, um, it's tough to be that quiet. And, and uh, the thief woke up, Puck the thief woke up, saw what Father Marcos was trying to do, You know, realized that the dispel magic alone did not work. And then they go knock him out again and, and tie him up. So it's been the next couple of days. Uh, it's almost like an exorcism or something, trying to figure out what to do. Uh, the cleric Zanril, the cleric of Zagig, is trying to figure out you know, what, what part he might be able to do to help in conjunction with the dispelled magic. But... I was making some terrible rolls to try to realize it. You know, wasn't coming up with anything on his own. So I gave him some, you know, rolls, like a kind of like religious studies, religious lore sort of role to see if he could figure it out. And time is kind of running out on on uh, Father Marcos because the module that I inserted in for the, uh, the Great Rockdale piece, I... I'm not using it exactly as written. I'm, t- you know, tying it into what's going on here. So, but you know, you, if you handle these artifacts and fall under the influence, you know, you have less and less chance of being able to come back to normal from it. And so, um, you know, after like five days, there's no chance. So they're at like four days, I believe three or four days. It might be six days and you can come back and they were at day four of trying to help Father Marcos with this, you know, call it an exorcism. And finally, uh, Zanril's like, the only other thing I can think of is to cast Bless, and that was what you needed to do. You needed to cast Dispel Magic and Bless um, to give them a chance to survive, you know, to get rid of the evil. And when that happens, Father Marcos goes into convulsions, and is twisting, and body is bending and contorting. 
in this uh, darkness, you can even see it just coming out of his mouth. Um, and the ground even rumbles a little bit underneath him. And so Father Marcos was was out, you know, dropped to zero from that. But um, like I mentioned with my house rules, if I've got a, if you got a cleric right next to somebody and they're not, you know, cut in half or, you know, disintegrated, <laughs> something like that, if, and you can get some magical healing right into them, it's like magical CPR or something. So they, they brought them back. So they finally got through all the... Uh, you know, the possession, the evil influence and everything. But now Father Marcos had seen what they're up against, you know, had gotten a, an idea of how deep things go, how the evil of it, and uh, that they weren't just, you know, fighting orcs, you know what I mean? So the party quickly realized they were maybe, you know, needed to, some reinforcements. They, they wanted to strengthen the party, especially given, you know, all the, you know, the, the deaths all being fresh in their minds of the other party members. Uh, so the Lord Palfrey, um, the wealthy landowner, old money lives in a keep in the hills overlooking Thurmaster. Uh, they know that he has some troops and everything and is sympathetic to their cause. They've done some, you know, odd jobs and missions for Lord Palfrey earlier in the, uh, in the campaign, so they decide to ride out there, meet with uh, Lord Palfrey, and see if they can't, uh, you know, reinforce their numbers with some men-at-arms, henchmen, something like that. Uh, my dog needs me real quick. I'm going to do a part two. All right, so I'm back. And yeah, while I was taking the dog out, I remembered what Towster was, wasn't hearing correctly. Uh, Zanrol's out there saying... We need help with the priest. And Towster was like, what? It's, I'm not interested in any feast. And it's like, no, the priest, the priest. It's, like, it's awful late for a feast. The priest. I heard you. I've already had my dinner. I couldn't possibly eat a feast. So really corny. <laughs> my sense of humor <laughs> is often corny. So um, it reminded me, somebody said something really great about you know, gonzo or humor in your game and or something like it was about how the world is actually like the straight man for the for the party. And that's so true in my games because it's rare when I make something really, you know, wild and gonzo and in the the world, but they play it like uh you see that meme where it's like my campaigns end up like this and it's showing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's it's like that, so Anyway, <clears throat> back to what I was saying, the party was going off to the uh, Lord Palfrey at the Palfrey Keep to to find some reinforcements to, to help them. So Lord Palfrey is actually one of the most sober, normal individuals um, as far as the way I play him. He's um, seen a lot, was alive for different humanoid incursions on the civilized areas back in the day. So, but Lord Palfrey also has a, a son, Lintern Palfrey, who is just the way I'm doing him, um, is, you know, kind of grown up without a care in the world, lap of luxury, but really dreams about being an adventurer, but he's really, really naive. And, uh, they'd encountered him before, you know, previous party, uh, player characters and Cyril, and he wanted to tag along on adventures and, 
the father, Lord Paul Frey, doesn't want him to because he knows he's kind of just useless and completely wet behind the ears. And so that comes up again in a minute. But they gain an audience with Lord Paul Frey and explain to him what's going on. And Lord Paul Frey agrees to let them take uh, four of his guard, um, four first-level fighters uh, that are trained fighters, um, troops, you know, men-at-arms, for the castle, so they're not inept uh, bumpkins or anything like that. And Lord Palfrey also decides that he's going to communicate with Lord Carmen at Milburn to kind of raise the militias and, and help to guard the two settlements because he's afraid of this humanoid presence in the Great Rock Dale spilling over and uh, all these kind of old battles being fought again in the Heronshire. So he's able to spare four men at arms for them too to accompany them. And, uh, meanwhile, Lintern's meeting up with, you know, meeting up with them in secret saying, you know, don't tell dad, but you know, I, I've been really been practicing and you know, showing him, you know, swinging his hand through the air as if he's, you know, a swordsman and really wanting to come along. And, um, so the, I also had Lord Palfrey kind of give him a little, not too much, but gives them all a healing potion each. And then I rolled for a random potion and they ended up getting a, a potion of animal control for uh, reptiles and amphibians. So they got a little gear from, uh, uh, from Lord Palfrey and they took the, uh, the four uh, men at arms with them and had a night's rest and then decided they kind of debated on what to do, whether to investigate some of the tunnels underground that they don't know exactly where they go see where all the network leads or to go back to the great rock dale and investigate the cave some more and they opted to go back to the great rock dale so they go straight back to the cave um, that they had uh, previously had um, explored a little bit where father marcos fell under the evil influence and just as they're getting ready to go in the cave Falling down on his butt right next to him off of a rope trying to climb down comes Lintern Palfrey, the, the naive wannabe adventurer. Like, oh, oof. Hey, guys, I, I, made, I managed to escape. Uh, I managed to sneak out. Dad doesn't know I'm here. And so the, the guards that came from the Palfrey Keep are immediately like, you know, slapping their head, hands on their foreheads like, oh, no, the Lord Palfrey's going to kill us. Now we got to watch out for this guy. And, um... Some of the less uh, the the less kind members of the adventuring party, uh, Puck, who's very selfish, definitely out for himself, self motivated thief, as you might imagine, and the assassin, is actually uh, uh, completely out for himself. He's got his, uh, I believe, he's neutral evil. Yeah, and uh, so they're they're seeing an opportunity here. Because there was this room that they had encountered uh, last session where they were investigating the caves and had these two chairs, like throne-like chairs on a dais and uh, propped around the room were uh, four skeletons. And the, the chairs um, had these large gems kind of embedded into them. And the party, last time they encountered the room, they didn't want it they, you know they could see that this was a setup so they didn't want to go after they wanted the gems but they didn't want to go after them because they figured something crazy would happen so this time puck and uh puck and cyril the assassin 
like, oh, Lantern, you're so brave. I'm so, we're so glad that you came to adventure with us. You, you have to check out these uh, these chairs in here. Uh, um, you know, trying to encourage him, and some of the so some of the parties wanted him to go check out these chairs, just just kind of use them as bait. Other party members, you know, their alignments are kicking in. They don't want that to happen. The men at arms are definitely protective of Lantern, so. There was a little back and forth there, but they didn't end up uh, doing anything. You know, they weren't going to be able to push Lantern into doing it. So after looking at that for a second, they they pressed on into the uh, into the further into the cave. Now there's one door that they had found that has some steps that lead further downwards, and they decided to leave that be and just kind of made their way up a different hallway. And there were some doorway, doors in the side of the hall, and um, they, you know, opened the doors, tried to surprise whatever was inside because they could hear voices, but were unable to do so. They made a loud creaking sound. So they had an encounter with another four um, evil clerics. And um, it was not a, you know, substantial fight. What really happened that, um, that uh, left, led us to the cliffhanger for next week was one of the clerics ran away and ran down the hall. And the last thing they could hear was the sound of this gong being hit, echoing throughout the place. This bong, bong. And then they could hear all kinds of foot traffic, like uh, bones, like scratches. So they don't know what the heck that was. So I left it there um, for the night. I always try to leave like a cliffhanger. If possible, sometimes the timing doesn't work out. And once I get to like three hours, I've mentioned this before, I'm starting to lose it. Like three hours with headphones on and focusing on something. And I start to just feel like, uh, can't take anymore. Right, I think I gave a shout out to some people that if you run like these five and six hour con games or whatever, more power to you. Can't do it. So we were just, just a little over three hours anyway. Um, but I don't ever like to like leave it in the middle of a combat encounter, you know, that I don't like to, you know, I'd like to wrap up what it is and either be, you know, everything tied in a nice little package or have something happen where it builds an anticipation for the next time. So that's, that's what it was. They heard the sound of the gong. They heard movement. They knew something was going to happen. And then I just cut it right there. So it was a good session. It was fun. A lot happened, you know. They they um, they covered a lot of ground. They um, were able to cure Father Marcos from the evil. They uh, were able to um, gather some extra f forces, reinforcement, and let uh, Lord Palfrey know what was going on. And uh, then they were able to uh, make it back to the caves, start to investigate again. Only now. Along with the reinforcement of the men at arms, they've got this naive, you know, they're basically having to babysit this naive lantern palfrey, um, you know, try to see if they can keep anything from happening to him. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, they're, they're in it now. So we'll see what happens. We had a few players miss, but that's the great thing about having a seven player campaign, especially when you have some, uh, henchmen and whatever that, uh, uh, you can get by with uh, with fewer players, so hopefully next week uh, we'll be everybody back to normal. I think uh, Taryn, the Ranger, uh, is active military, and um, I think he'll be back. 
Um, always got a seat open for the player that plays Terran. That's what I always tell him. No matter where he's got to go or how long he's got to be gone, doesn't matter when, where, what, he's always got a seat. We've been playing together for like a long time. One of my one of my favorite people I've ever played with. So hopefully Taryn will be back. And uh, the player that plays Cass, she was out. And then uh, the player that plays Ariel was there for a minute at the beginning. But I think he was helping a family member move. So he was trying to do. <laughs> he was trying to help someone move while playing at least the voice piece over Discord and. You can guess about how well that went, so he eventually just dropped out. So hopefully we'll be back up to full speed next weekend. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening. I, like I said, every few episodes I'll probably do just a quick recap at the beginning, just in case there's any new listeners out there that are wanting to get into it but feel like it's maybe not that approachable if you've missed a lot. So that's the idea I came up with uh, to try to make that work better. If anybody out there has any other ideas, feel free to call in, you know, you can call in on the anchor app, leave a message or I'll play it on the show. Again, uh, if you want to check it out, I got my zine up on drive through. Um, there's more information on the thought eater blog, but it's called psionic platypus and it's a pocket mod OSR zine. So you just print it out and fold it. I put up a us letter and a four sizes. So wherever you are, you can enjoy it. You can send me an email, uh, either a contact form on the Thought Eater blog or frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. Frothsoft on Twitter. Frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Com, com.